welcome to Landscape Photography World, the podcast for everyone passionate about landscape photography. I'm Grant Swinburne and I'm your host on this show talking to landscape photographers about their motivations, likes and dislikes. In this episode, I'm talking to Sophie Carr about her photography career and how her passion for the wonderful landscapes of Iceland have shaped it. Sophie is a travel and landscape photographer based in southwest London, specialising in landscape photography of Arctic and sub-Antarctic areas. She's travelled extensively and particularly loves icy, remote, mountainous and volcanic areas, such as Chile and Iceland. Her passion for Iceland is reflected in the body of work she has amassed over the multiple trips she's made to this magical place. The unique landscapes and weather of this land have cemented their place in her heart, and it shows in her work. We discuss how her early visits shaped her love of the landscape, and the ways in which her work is a reflection of the place she loves so much. We also touch on some of her work closer to home and many other topics. I hope you enjoy the show. Hi, Sophie. Welcome to Landscape Photography World. How are you going? Thank you. Um, good, thank you. It's um, been a beautiful day here in London. Um, the weather's picked up a bit, so it's uh, it's lovely and springy here with lots of nice flowers. Nice, nice. Yeah. It's just started raining here, so... Uh, <laughs> For those listening, if you hear a roar in the background, that's my um, tin roof getting hammered by rain. <laughs> I've seen quite a bit of your work for a while and, uh, you know, quite happy that you've uh, agreed to come on the show. Um, let's start with what got you started in photography and landscape photography in particular. Uh, well, I've, I've always liked taking photos. Um, I'm 51 now, so I've, been, I've you know, had a reasonably long life. Um, I've, and I started taking photos you know, years ago as a kid with a, you know, a cheapish camera back in the film days. I wasn't ever particularly good. Um, and I then did a lot of traveling. Um, I did two long round the world trips in 2000 and 2004, mm-hmm. including stopping off in Australia. Um, nice. And the first trip, I think I didn't even, I didn't have a, I hadn't had a DSLR by that point. Um, so I was just using a point and shoot and I was quite disappointed with my photos when I got home, you know, I had quite a lot of, I was still in film day. So I got all my films developed and they're all a bit disappointing. Um, by the time I went back on the second one, I got, I got my first kind of entry level, um, digital DSLR. And I'd also been on a couple of photography courses just to, to sort of learn about, okay. learn about the, the technical side of things, which I, you know, didn't really know about before. Um, and kind of, I then, I think my, my interest really got peaked probably towards the end of maybe 2008, 2009. I, I had a, I work as an accountant in banking, um and actually looking in in kind of it areas um and i started walking part of the way to work uh, as part of my commute along the river thames which is obviously a nice big river that goes through the center of london and i had a point and shoot like a a little canon s90 that i used to take with me and i just i'd have to kind of build in extra time for my walk to make sure i could take photos and still get to work on time um, I didn't take my SLR with me very often, but I did take my point and shoot and I just started taking photos all the time um, for, along the river. Um, I started uploading them on Flickr, I think, in about 2009 and joined mm-hmm. a few groups. Yep. And, it, and it actually just really encouraged me to to take more and to learn more. Um, and then I kind of, I guess I, I didn't really start doing it seriously until a couple of years later when I got um, 
well, when I when I first went to Iceland, I mean, my I, I've always taken lots of photos before then, um, and I was getting to a reasonable standard probably in sort of 2010. But yep. I did my first solo photo trip to Iceland in in March uh, 2010, so exactly 10 years ago. And since then, it's just it's just I guess Iceland was my muse, um, and I've and I've. I mean, that's the, the main thing I take photos of now and the main place I go to regularly. Yeah, um, yeah. So I'm, and, and the landscape is just something that's always just, I've, I've always loved mountainous areas, got taken up mountains as kids to the mm. Alps. And I just think uh, mountains are just stunning. Um, so I also went to um, Antarctica in, on both trips in 2000 and 2004. And I think I kind of fell in love with icy mountainous places then. Um, and then, and then Iceland is like a, a small version of that, but then a lot closer to home and a lot cheaper to get to. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, yeah. So in the last ten years, I've 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 managed to rack up twenty trips to Iceland. Wow. Um, I've kind of managed to combine it with having a, a full time job in finance, although my full time job hasn't been very full time because I I generally do contracting, so I do a couple of years and then have some time off. And in those times off, I had one recently and during the middle of the pandemic where I actually had two long two months long trips to Iceland oh, wow. um, which was which was a really you know a bit of a privilege to be able to spend that long there yeah definitely and but, quite I, I guess quite different to most people's experience or recent experience yeah 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 I mean the the I, I I went to Iceland just before the pandemic hit so February 2020 and it was actually one of my best trips I had amazing stormy weather and this skies and seas were just fantastic and i got home and then the pandemic started and didn't know when i was next going to be able to go back um but i ended up going back when travel restrictions were lifted that summer just for a couple of weeks while i was still working and then my contract came to an end at the end of october 2020 and i instead of looking for another job i thought well you know i'm gonna i'm gonna go back to iceland for a for a big trip while there's no one else there um I'd, I think I've been once before in November, and it's it's got all the losses to yourself. Yeah, exactly. So, so I just um, I planned to go for five weeks, and I, two days after I left my job, I, I was on a plane on my own, um, husband at home looking after the dog, um, and off I went to Iceland to experience the winter with pretty much no other tourists in the country. So it was it was a quite a, a weird experience. Um, there was still some COVID restrictions. I had to quarantine for five days on arrival, right. but I knew of a perfect little hut on the beach that I could stay in for not very much money. And that was like the perfect place to, to um, sit, sit out five days because I was allowed to go for walks and do photography, just not get in the car and go anywhere. Um, anyway, it was, and it was a fantastic experience. I went all the way around Iceland, which I hadn't actually done on any of the previous trips, so because I usually go for about ten days, and that's yeah. enough to kind of do along the south coast and back. And it is long enough to go right around the whole island, but it's a bit of a, a bit of a push. Yeah. So I, I ended up um, I ended up extending the trip for for two weeks. So I ended up stand, spending seven weeks there in total, and wow. going to the west, you know, going up to the West Fjords, which is just a yep. crazy thing to do in the winter. By this point, it was you know early December, about three or four hours daylight a day. Um, lots of roads closed all the time because of snow, but I managed to not have any massive events and not get stuck stuck anywhere. Um, yeah, so it was just it was a fantastic experience. 
Amazing. And then I managed to get another two months last summer um, because I still hadn't got a job. I wasn't really looking. I thought I'd take a year off while the, you know, the COVID thing was going on. We, we couldn't travel anywhere for the first four months in or five months in, in from the UK. So when the travel restrictions were lifted and I got my second vaccination off, I went back to Iceland. Mm. Again, I planned for six weeks, but I ended up staying nine. Um, and my, my husband actually was able to come and join me for the last sort of three or four. So we had a bit of a kind of a proper holiday as well. So nice. not just not, which was probably a bit less of the photography. Yeah. Okay. Um, I want to talk a little bit about why Iceland and, you know, yeah. uh, you know, why, why so many repeats, but you know, I'll come back to that, but I, I, I thought I'd um, just explore the education side of things. You know, you mentioned that you, you know, did a, a couple of courses early on. Yeah. yeah. So, so talk, I, I guess just talk to me a little bit about, uh, you know, how, how you've educated yourself and, and how, how you've, used education to uh, sort of develop your photographic um, style, etc. So as I said, I, I did these big, long round the world trips. And the first one I came back in like October or the summer of 2001, and I got a job in a bank um, just after that. And there was a, um, and as I said, I was a bit disappointed in my photos. I never, you know, they were always not quite sharp enough. That was yeah probably the problem just not quite sharp enough and just a bit disappointing that the composition I think I was always reasonably okay with but the actual technique was not not brilliant um and there was a, a college opposite um my office that has um like, like a night school that offers you know all sorts of language courses I think I did a Spanish course there once as well and it had a, a like a just a six week photography course two hours once a week um, so me and a friend signed up and went along and each each week we had an assignment of taking a roll of film and getting it developed. So one week was, you know, on shallow depth of field, you know, and different different techniques. Um, and I, and I, you know, I loved exploring the, the different, you know, things that it was, you know, photography was capable of, which I hadn't had really any clue about before. Sure. Um, I was actually quite lucky in that one of the weekends I had a business trip to, to um, Amsterdam. I work for a Dutch okay. bank, so I was able to go a day early and take photos in in, in Amsterdam, which was like a nice, nice assignment. Um, one of the weekends was actually my first ever trip to Iceland. So I was, I was able to, and I think we were doing portraits. So I went with a friend and was able to practice doing portraits in, you know, Icelandic autumn weather, which was, which was oh. great. Um, so I, I kind of learned quite a lot, um, learned how to use the, the camera I'd bought. And then I did another course with the same tutor um, about a year later, which was more about things like flash photography and, and a bit, just a bit more on the techniques. Um, and apart from that, I haven't had any, any training. So from okay. then on, I think most of my knowledge I learned was I went through a phase of for quite a, for quite a few years of buying photography magazines and reading the techniques in there more yeah. probably that than online at that point. So this was probably, you know, 2006 to 2010. Yeah. Um, there weren't quite so many vloggers and, uh, no, no, exactly. And reels out there. Yeah. I mean, I've always been quite big of using on, online stuff, but yeah, as you say, there weren't the social media networks and, mm. and things around really to, to, to find it quite as easily. I mean, YouTube obviously has been around for a while, but I actually find, 
personally, I, I find it easier to read things than to listen or watch things sometimes. So if I, so I spend a lot of time on Twitter where I'm basically reading and, and if I listen to things, I'd actually rather watch a video with the, and read the subtitles on it. Okay. So Strange. My, I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's just because I talk with people at work all the time, and I just don't really want to talk. No, I, I think it, it, it's interesting because uh, you know different people learn different ways. Yeah. And, you know, th this is one of the things I think. Uh, you know, the the poor old education systems. You know, the UK one. I'm, I'm familiar with that as well because my wife's from the UK um and the australian one at least you know they they tend to teach you or in in pretty much the same way rather than you know and i know i'm yeah. probably gonna get a bunch of teachers now hit, hitting me and saying no no that's not the case <laughs> but yeah it's, it's been my, interesting to with my different children. people have different ideas of what what works for them right that's exactly it yeah, yeah. and you know if you if you're you know, stuck in a certain, or you know, the the education system is stuck in a certain way of teaching. Then you know, you you're going to struggle if that's not your style of of learning. I think you know. Yeah. I just, and I it, just think I, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and it, I guess the, with the magazines as well, it meant that I could just take it at my own pace and sure. learn. Yeah. You know, so there was I, I've I've definitely noticed, and I've noticed other photographers go through a kind of. It's almost like a, a phase of things they get interested in or, or along their journey. So I think the first thing was I bought a wide angle lens. So it was like when I got my wide angle, it was like, oh, I've got this amazing new view. Yeah. Then, then I went, then I got into filters, like um, graduated ND filter and a few like long, uh, bigger ND filters for doing long exposure. Yeah. Then I, then I, then I bought a macro lens and I got really into doing macro. Yeah. And then it was like, I've kind of gone through this phase and I've definitely seen other photographers do it. And then I realized that actually I don't, I mean, now I rarely use macro lens. I rarely use, actually use my wide angle only for a few certain views. Yeah, yeah. Um, now I've kind of moved on to I've got a 100 to 400 millimeter lens that's the one I use probably the most okay. and I, and I realised that what I really like taking photos of are landscapes but kind of mostly kind of zoomed in to the details yeah right and it may be a, again it may be a phase I'm going through and maybe I'll come out the other side and go back to you know super wide angle again or something I don't know yeah well, I, I, I think you're quite right you know a lot of photographers go through different phases and it, I to me it's just part of exploring the the art you know it's, it, yeah. it, it's really about you know you you look at something and you go oh I'd like to give that a try and so you do yeah. and you get into it for a while and then you decide okay well it is I'm going to keep it and keep it as part of a kit bag or I'm going to throw it away because you know at the end of the day it's not really not really satisfying my yeah, yeah. Urges, you know. <laughs> yeah, and I and I I stupidly bought with this quite fancy Canon macro a couple of years ago, a few years ago now, thinking, oh yeah, that would be really good fun for doing these little tiny insects and things. But my eyesight has de deteriorated so much in the last <laughs> few years that it's actually really I just find it real a real struggle. I can't really see properly to do it. Mm. Um, so I think I might actually sell that lens because it's a bit. I don't really ever use it. And I've got extension tubes if I want to have a kind of quick, easy solution to get a bit of macro. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. But yeah, so I think the magazines were probably the, the thing that um, helped. And also, and also, yeah, I spent quite a lot of time for a few years on Flickr um, and I'd post quite a lot of photos and 
a lot of it is just you know a kind of pat on the back to each other so, oh a lovely photo but i did also i think it was a helpful site because i had camera settings so i was able to kind of see what other people were posting and and look at their settings and and learn a bit from that as well mm. um and then i guess in the last few years social media's just taken off massively um and i probably haven't really learned a great deal in the last few years um to be honest but my you know my, you know most of the things i do are probably second nature now rather than having to think about yeah probably more extensions of what you've already learned and yeah exactly yeah, yeah. Or, or more applications i guess the, the, yeah. of what you've already learned so I have, i've probably become a bit more experimental i think maybe over the last couple of years like i took okay. a lot of um handheld long exposures of waves which mm -hmm. aren't necessarily things that everybody would like like to do themselves or enjoy looking at but i really like doing them i, I find it quite a, a kind of fascinating subject matter um you yeah. get some interesting effects interesting technical challenge as well i was talking to yeah. uh uh who was it william patino the other day and he was talking about his uh handheld long exposures you know waterfalls and work wherever else you know and uh yeah it's not something that i've really tried i'm, I'm still tied to my tripod a bit but um well it's actually fun. it's funny because in iceland it's sometimes it's sometimes actually easier because yeah. getting your thing on the tripod and trying to you know trying to take photos of waves is you know on a tripod is actually more challenging than just having it and in your hand yeah, taking it whatever you see and the wind might rock you around a bit but it, it can add some add some effects and yeah, okay. so sometimes it's actually it's almost maybe i discovered it by laziness of thinking of you know not using the tripod and thinking oh i'll see what this see what comes out yeah. um and so I, had, using... I guess i had seen a few icm for photographers previously yeah. Um, yeah. And, and maybe been inspired by that yeah okay so you're using a DSLR or a mirrorless for, for that? Yeah, so I haven't yet moved on to mirrorless. Um, no. I, I've got, so I've kind of invested in, in the lenses. So I've got a, I, I use a Canon 5D Mark IV. I had a Canon D Mark III before that, which I, is, is my spare. Um, and I guess by the time the, the, when the mirrorless were coming out it was about the same time that the 5d mark IV came out and i my 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 5d mark III had a bit of water damage so it was it was a bit touch and go whether it would last a trip to iceland so i so i decided just to replace it with the the mark IV, and the mirrorless the the, the ones that i might go to move to now hadn't come out at that point they were still slightly new um so i thought well i'll just go with the the slr so so I'm yeah. still on that. Um, and then I've got some nice lenses, which I, you know, I'd have to obviously use a, or either replace or use a adapter. So, yeah. um, good, good friend of mine, uh, and friend of the podcast, uh, Gary Graham, he's, um, uh, moved to the, I think the R3, he does a lot of, uh, um, motorsport, motorsports, uh, photography. Okay. So um, the the R three sort of seems fairly well built for that, but um, he's been a long time one D and you know five DX five D Mark four and so forth user, um, and he said that uh, the uh, it's about a two hundred dollars so about a hundred pound adapter. He said yeah. 
works work. fine with the lenses. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that does the job. So I think that that will be my my next move. I can't really justify it. Yeah, just yet. No. I didn't buy the other one that long ago, and although <laughs> my shutter count is probably massive, having had two two month long trips. So yeah, definitely, yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely getting use out of it. Use out of it. So tell me about Iceland. What what was it other than just? I mean, sure, everyone knows the you know stunning beauty of the the landscape, yeah. the waterfalls, and everything. There's got to be more to draw you back so many times and for so long. Yeah, we, yeah. I mean, now it's it's almost like a second home for me now, and and it, and it, there's not really any question that I will continue to just go back there um, again and again. I I have friends there. Um, I stay in certain places that I just love. It's just like a little retreat for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but but from the photography side, you would think that you might get bored going back to the same places again and again. But it's but I but I don't at all yeah. um, get bored. And every, you know the the weather is always different. The the lights always different. The yeah. you know there's the the grass is always different. You know sometimes it's got snow, it's sometimes it's green. Compositions to explore and find as well. Yeah, exactly. And and um, I saw a funny post a couple um, last year on Twitter. Uh, um, an uh, Italian photographer had got a picture of this mountain that I always stop and take pictures of, and um, he said, "Oh, you know, I've I've taken pictures of this at sunrise, but." I, I don't think many people do. So I, I think I think we're I think we've run out of places to views to take pictures of in Iceland. And I was like, that's the most ridiculous thing to say. It's like, it's a it's a massive country, really. It's got, got loads and loads of mountains, and and you know every single person can take a different photo. Absolutely. Maybe there's you know uh, ten specific views that everybody has to take, which you know, one of them is like this waterfall in front of this pointy mountain. You know everybody has to take that photo, but yep. there's 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 infinite infinite views, and and every time I go, I will see something different. Um, some you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the light and the weather is always different. Um, and I've, and, I, and also, I, I got a drone last year, which has also given me a, a bit of a, a new a new lease of life of what to yeah. what to see as well. Um, and there's always new places to go. I mean, I I discovered a an amazing canyon a couple of when I went in the summer um, in 2020. That I'd never even heard of because I'd always really been in winter before when it's covered in snow, so it's yeah, completely yeah. inaccessible and wouldn't look, you wouldn't notice it. It was just a snowy valley, yeah. but um, it's absolutely amazing. And there's, there's, there, you know, there are loads of places like that that are still yet to discover. Um, there's always, there's always more views to go to see and beautiful things to see. Um, and and also, I've I've tried to kind of go at different times of year now a bit more. So I've yet to go in January and April, but they're they're obviously on my list. But um, yeah. so I've, it, it varies a lot um, in different seasons. I, I used to avoid the summer because I don't particularly like crowds and tourists uh, gathered everywhere. But um, when I was there last summer, I kind of went early enough in the summer where it wasn't that busy. And also the, the amount of tourists hasn't got back up to normal yet. Yeah, yeah. But last summer, going in the summer, the lights in a complete, the sun's in a completely different place. The light's completely different. You've got the whole of the evening where you can just go out and do more photography, which oh, otherwise... Yeah, you've, be got, you've got much longer. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, you know, sunrise might not be ideal because it's at 3, 3 a.m. or yeah, something, yeah. but 
but then, and then there's also loads of bird life which is a, which is a completely different experience from a winter trip where there's not really much life um so it's there's there's always something to to draw me back um i mean i guess the, the things i liked about it to start with were it was just so kind of wild and remote and mm. and i think maybe the, my trip to antarctica awakened that love of that kind of scenery just sure. very stark raw um just a, a real raw beauty and it's not in the summer it looks it looks a lot prettier because there's lupins you know all over the yep. place which people aren't very happy with because they're invasive but um but you know there's purple flowers all over the place and and the grasses are all green and it looks very lush and pretty but um most of the year it doesn't look like that it's it's kind of harsh black and white and yeah, brown yeah. grasses and, and and it is I don't know. I just there's something wild that has just really appeals to me. Yeah, right. Sounds sounds like you could uh, write the uh, <laughs> photographer's travel guide to Iceland. Well, I, I mean, I've I've been all around, and I've probably there's I don't think there's any particular. There's a couple of tourist sites in the in the Highlands that I haven't been to because they're only accessible in summer, late summer, yeah, and yeah. you kind of need to have a someone with a proper four wheel drive. So I'm thinking I might do that this summer. Okay. Um, but yeah, I yeah I could write. I've, I was, I was going to ask. Say, I could write for the tourist board. <laughs> I was going to ask you: Are there any uh, you know spots that are still on your bucket list in in Iceland or anywhere else? Oh well, there are lots of places. I mean, I so I've as I've said, I've travelled a lot around the world a couple of times, and um, and also when I haven't been doing those big trips, I've usually tried to have a kind of a long haul trip maybe one like once a year so just in december 2019 me and my husband went to costa rica for a couple of weeks nice. which was an amazing place for photography and in fact that's why i bought my 100 to 400 mil lens was basically to take pictures of the birds there yeah, yeah, yeah. and then realized i really like it for landscapes too um sure. but yeah so we went to one year we went to madagascar um one year we went to borneo um, I'm not a massive fan of hot places, so so that's probably another reason I, I don't really do very well in the heat. Um, so that's probably another reason that Iceland is kind of quite appealing because it's it's generally not very hot. Um, but yeah, um, I'll definitely continue to go to Iceland, you know, at least a couple of times a year for as long as I, you know, for the rest of my life. Um, yeah. I'm looking into doing a a. a, a a tour next year a workshop with another photographer um which i think would be a fun experience because it, it is nice to do different things like having the drone is as i say has opened up kind of new views and and i and i and i do get kind of a bit set in my ways and i stay in the same places and i have the same routines and it's a bit like a, a kind of retreat for me from the world but it, yeah, i yeah. kind of think i probably need to push myself and i think doing a workshop or two would be actually a really enjoyable experience you know, imparting my knowledge and helping people enjoy it very cool yeah. so are there any things that you're doing out in the field i guess uh, that might be different to what other people are doing or are you sort of trying to as you sort of said you know uh tread, tread a, a path that you you've known and you know you're, you're familiar with i mean i I, as I say, I go back to some of the same places over and over. 
And like there's this one place, Jokulsalen, which is this glacial lagoon and mm-hmm. beach with icebergs on. And it's my favorite place in the world. It's just, it's crazy. It's just some days you go there and there's no icebergs on this black sand beach. And then other days you go and it's absolutely stacked with these things, some of which are a couple of meters high. Yeah. There's like hundreds of them. And it's, it's nicknamed the Diamond Beach. And I go back there and I take, you know, I've taken so many photos in that place in so many different conditions. And I'm, you know, and, and I'm always trying to look for something, you know, something new. So I'll, but I, so I take lots of pictures of the icebergs close up and, 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 and actually use the use. I did use the macro once to do the, to take pictures of the kind of ice patterns inside the icebergs. And yeah, I'm always yeah. trying to look for something slightly different or slightly new, but to be honest, there's probably not, not anything that I've take that I take pictures of there now that I haven't done before. I think the only new thing I've really done is more of the wave sort of um, handheld long exposures, which which I do on whichever beach I find some waves at. Um, yeah. So what, what's motivating you at the moment creatively? Is it about recording experiences and, you know, what, what you're seeing and, you know, sharing that with the world? Or is it uh, more trying to do something that is more about the art, I guess, of, you know, photography? I guess it's a bit of both. I mean, I, I think I, I've, I've got a, a reasonable following on Twitter, which is the main social media that I use. And, and I, get a, I get a lot of pleasure from sharing photos that people then say, oh, this is beautiful. Your photography lifts me. You know, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I like getting, you know, comments that, that people are enjoying it. That's why social media works. It, it, it well, yeah, exactly. It, uh, yeah. And then, um, and also I think that that really started to kick off when I did my trip in, in the winter of 2020, because everybody was kind of stuck at home mm. and there was me with my, like, here's my, my day in Iceland. Um, and people were kind of following my trip and, and finding yeah. it kind of quite fascinating and, and, and a bit, you know, able to kind of forget themselves a bit. And from, when, I, when I'm away, I, I feel like I forget what's going on in the world. I mean, I just went a couple of weeks ago on the day that um, Ukraine was invaded and it was, mm. it was kind of almost a bit of a relief to be away from following the news all the time oh, sure. um, by, by doing something completely different, which was, you know, driving, taking photos and standing in snow showers. And um, I don't know, I, I, I get lots of different, there's lots of reasons why I do it. I think part of it, as I say, is to get away from just, you know, a normal, normal life. Um, I, it's nice to just get away and have a break being outdoors in the fresh air. Um, I do laugh at myself when I'm out in kind of ridiculous wind and rain. It's like, this is, you know, what am I doing? This isn't what, this is a holiday. Most people are tucked up in a, nice bar or something when um, it's- yeah most people's idea of a beach holiday is a you know a white sand beach under palm trees in a warm climate and mine's like standing on a black sand beach being bashed by wind and rain and hail and icebergs eh? <laughs> watching the icebergs but yeah um i don't know just it, i find it very very good for my soul to to be there um mm. i think maybe i've got a bit of viking in me and i feel a bit I feel a bit at home with the people. Um, people do start talking to me in Icelandic because I look a bit Icelandic. Okay. Um, and so, which which is nice. And and I've got some good friends there now as well, which is another reason why it's really nice to go back. Um, yeah, I, I can I, imagine. Yeah, you know, having been so many times, you've uh, developed a n- number of relationships and whatever there. It's, uh... Yeah, and and I've actually I've actually um, 
there's, there's a really kind of nice network of people who who love Iceland as well, the Icelandophiles. So mm. I actually um, last May met up with a woman I'd met on Twitter, and we went. She was she was over there to go to see the volcano with her husband, and we we hiked up it up together. And you know, never met her before, but we'd we'd kind of struck off a, up a relationship on Twitter. Yeah. And um and you know, I'm, and then I met up with her on my recent trip as well. She was there as as well. So I've I've kind of made friends in real life, like through through the Iceland love too. There's quite a big community of us. It's quite um, it's quite a, most uh, well a lot of English people because it's quite easy to get to. Yeah. For some people, I think most people go there. They, every, everyone wants to go back once you've once you've been. It's like yeah, you yeah. want a bit more. Definitely, definitely. I'm I'm still yet to go. It's uh, it's still one of the the, the bucket list locations. But uh, oh, I'm like that with Tasmania. That's that's one place yeah. I really would love to spend like a month or two. Yeah, I'll make it two, make it three. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think a month is long enough. No, no. <laughs> Especially from flying for twenty six hours as well. Yeah, well, that's that, that's exactly it, and uh, you know that that that's one of the reasons why if I'm going to do it, you know, spending spending a week there is not going to be you know, a, enough for me. But uh, yeah, I guess you know one of the things that uh, strikes me in this conversation is that you know you're doing all of this, and yeah, okay, you're sharing it on Twitter, but it's not really your career so no talk to me about why you (laughs) do what you do and well so so I've had a I've had a um I mean my whole career has been I I trained as an accountant and I've worked in banking basically on and off for the last um 25 years and I've had quite a few times when I've taken time off because I haven't really I don't really love it in the same way that I love my photography um but i but it but it pays it pays well so it kind of allows me to have this kind of two this kind of hybrid life of having some time off and going to do things like the photography without having to try and make money out of it and then i can then go back and have a job where i can do a reasonable job and earn a reasonable amount of money in a reasonable short period of time to top up my finances and save for my pension and and i kind of you know, I'm getting, I'm 51 and I'm getting to the point that I'm thinking about, you know, what, you know, maybe I'll retire in a, a few years time. Mm-hmm. And then when I, when I retire, I would probably try and make more of a, more of a career from the photography. Sure. Sure. Um, so, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm, as I say, I'm thinking of doing a, a workshop um, when, when my current job, my, my current job is a maternity leave cover. So it's got an end in sight. Um, yeah, okay. I just started a few months ago. Um, so maybe after that I will, but I guess one thing I've always wanted to avoid is is kind of ruining the photography for me by having to try and make money out of it. Mm, okay. Because I mean, I make a bit of money, you know, sell some prints. So I've done some presentations, you know, I do bits and pieces, but um, I think not having to make money out of it makes it a lot, obviously, a lot easier. Yeah. So I'm yeah. not having to. I'm not having to sell myself so much. I'm not having to, um, you know, do things like children photography and wedding photography, which I don't particularly want to do. Um, <laughs> having said that, I did have a job where I did um, some portraits. <laughs> no, I had a, in one of the banking jobs I had um, one of the, the, the one of 
one of my colleagues uh, when I when I when I joined, I saw or looked to see if there was a photography club um, mm -hmm. in the bank, and there was, and it was basically two guys who who did these portrait sessions for um, employees, and they give money to charity for okay. getting these like portrait photos. So I ended up taking over doing that. Um, so I do about six half day sessions a year, um, and I was that was kind of part of my volunteering leave that they gave us. So it was paid to do on on the work premises. Um, and I got to meet like 120 people through uh, the company doing, taking nice, you know, professional photos for them. And I also learned about, you know, how to, you know, the, a lot more about the lighting and, and portrait photography. And I actually really, really enjoyed it. Um, uh, so, I mean, there are, there are some commercial things that I think I could do and I'm sure I would enjoy. And I've had a few like clients doing, um, particularly, you know, friends who paid me to take photos of them and their family. And I've, you know, I've obviously enjoyed doing that, but I think to try and make, to try and make a decent living out of it is really quite hard work. Yeah, and yeah. I think if I did, I think I could probably do it by doing workshops, but that would then take me away from home, um, yep. which, you know, I'm not really in a position to do that much at the moment. So yeah, got it. Uh... And, I'm, and it's kind of a bit of a shame that I'm not more in love with the, photographing where i live because you know i live in london and there's obviously lots of photograph here it's a beautiful city sure. um but i kind of don't think i've got the passion for for doing workshops here that i would have say in iceland where yeah, you know, yeah. I just, i'm kind of in love with it whereas here it's just like it's my home it's <laughs> where you live yeah no I, I i get that but i mean i i'm from sydney and you know lived here most of my life and um you know i i'm still trying to find uh new and different ways of shooting shooting the city you know I, I i love london as well but you know i i think in terms of photography i'm certainly spot for choice a little bit with uh with sydney mm. it, is, it is you know very photogenic you know particularly with the harbor etc you know yeah absolutely but, yeah. but um yeah I, I i don't shoot it as much as I used to, but because uh, I'm sort of been focusing mainly on on the beaches, and I think that's mainly something uh, you know that you, you probably don't get quite as much of in and around London anyway. But no, um, to travel a bit to get to one, yeah, just just, just a bit, um, and then you got to uh, deal with all the uh, the stones and rocks on the beach as well. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's some very nice ones around the coast of the UK, but um, there are, yeah. I've, yeah. I've, I've shot a few of them myself, actually. But there's some. But I've, I've actually, in the last few months, I've actually been to. There's a local park called Richmond Park, which is one of the royal parks, and it's um, mm. quite famous because it's got a bunch of deer. Um, and then there's a there's a big community of photographers um, that go there regularly and i'm kind of planning to go tomorrow morning at 5 30 a.m before work because there was fog forecast and the sun rises like six ten to six in the morning yeah, yeah. as i said i'm not very good at getting up in the morning so i don't know whether i'll do it or not but um it's it's actually been quite nice because i've gone sort of every few weeks um since last september i bought a second-hand car so, it's, so i'm able to drive there whereas it's only four miles away but there's no public transport to get to it and yeah, right. i don't particularly want to get an uber at six o'clock in the morning with all my camera gear i just feel a bit nervous so <laughs> but, but i've been going there regularly and i've met some nice other nice photographers as well um yeah. through doing so so yeah. i'm kind of i am trying to force myself to to enjoy the the surroundings nearby too 
Yeah. But I mean, it's it's interesting actually. One thing I I don't feel very comfortable safety wise in London and everywhere. I can understand. So, yeah. So going out with, I mean, the amount of gear I've got is quite um, you know, it's quite expensive and and i haven't been out with all of my gear in london like and not with a tripod anyway for for years um so i mean it probably would be maybe i'll set myself a few challenges of going back into the center of the city with you know with my camera gear i think Mm. when i've had when i've had jobs i've i've maybe taken my camera in obviously to do the portraits and i would maybe nip out at lunchtime and do a few few handheld um you know city shots but I, I probably should push myself a bit more to to take some more pictures because London is really a fantastic city and it is what what started off my my passion for taking photos all the time yeah, well yeah. when I was walking along the river. Yeah, nice. Now I just take iPhone ones on the walking the dog. <laughs> well, you still take a pretty good shot with a, an iPhone now. Yeah, 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 getting better. How how would you describe your style and what? influences and and i guess who has influenced your style the most i guess i probably i mean there aren't any kind of photographers that i would particularly say had kind of influenced me on my journey like because i didn't study photography i didn't you know particularly know about any masters you know i was aware of ansel adams and but didn't particularly know his work that much Mm um in terms of um other photographers that have influenced me there's there's a few um that i've seen on social media who probably have um one of them is um, a guy called mark littlejohn who he won the landscape photographer of the year in the uk in 2014 and and he you know he he, his his work was has generally been from the lake district and more recently he's moved up to scotland um and i love his i love his work partly because he zooms in on landscapes and picks up the, just the details of of landscapes and you don't have to have the sky um and i think maybe he's he's had an influence on me a, a, a little bit um there's there's been a couple of um seascape photographers um one called david baker um, and a woman called rachel talibart who you know they've yep. They're just fantastic um, sea photographers, yeah, yeah. and and I mean, lots. There's a there's a really good um, photography community on Twitter. So there's there's loads and loads and loads. I think who've probably just all combined to to help form what I like. But I think mostly it's been about just me taking photos and seeing what I like from what I produce. Yeah. Um, and there are certain things that I probably I, I definitely do more much more photography now with the with the longer lens and zoom mm. in on on the details more um you know which isn't for everybody a lot of people like still like the, the big wide vistas yeah yeah um and there's and there's a few in iceland where you have to get your wide angle out because there's these big mountains you know reflected in the sand and the in the beach and yeah and those are always actually kind of very popular those kinds of photos but for me personally i i probably prefer you know zooming in on a little bit of that where where it's it's a bit more abstract i've got i think i've become a bit more abstract in the in the photography i i do now yeah okay so talk me through the process you and in in terms of process i don't mean just in the field i mean in terms of planning you know spending two months in uh, Iceland, are you planning every day or are you letting things flow and 
and move with weather and tides and so forth. So, so I didn't, I mean, I've, I didn't used to be such a planner, but when I first started traveling, cause I, you know, there weren't things like booking.com when I first started traveling sure. years and years ago. So you were able to kind of, I, was, I did quite a lot of backpacking where you just show up somewhere, yeah. look in the lonely planet book, find, find <laughs> where you are on the map, find somewhere to stay, look, yeah. find another place to stay, you know, and, and that was kind of my first experiences of traveling were very much see how it goes. And also, had, you know, if you've got lots of time, it's a lot easier, but I guess in the last, you know, since the internet has been like proper and you can do all your booking and stuff, you, you can't just show up cause you won't find anywhere to stay or the, so now, now I, um, I do kind of pretty much plan everything from, you know, before I go with the big, with the big trip in the winter, I didn't plan everything. I had a kind of rough idea of where I was going to go, but, um, and also there were a few places which were still quite busy, which I wanted to stay at. So I had to kind of book those in advance. Sure. But on that trip, it was actually amazing because I was able to plan it as I went along mm-hmm. to the, like the second half, which, I, which, you know, I hadn't done for, for years in a trip. So as I said, I just decided to extend it two weeks yeah, and go yeah. up to the Westfields. And, you know, it was like, I wasn't booking places. I was waiting to see what the weather was like to see right. how far I'd get. And then there was, you know, there was one day I, I, yeah, I, there'd been a storm and a blizzard for two days and I'd been stuck in this dreadful cabin, dull cabin for two, you know, for three nights. And finally the weather cleared. So I, was, I wasn't sure what the weather, what the roads were going to be like. So I just, you know, got in the car and see, right, see how far I can get to, got to one place. It's like, still got another hour of light. I can get to this next place and got to the next place and basically got on booking.com on my phone in the car and like booked a place, you know, and then showed up. And it was, it was kind of, really nice to have the flexibility to be able to do that Um, because you can't really do that um, in most places these days and you certainly can't do that in Iceland when it's busy with tourists yeah definitely so so usually I book stuff in advance and I actually kind of plan my trips around the availability of the places I want to stay as well so I I go back to a couple of places um, and, and stay in the same places and try and stay there for sort of three or four nights in each of two particular places so I kind of put the timing around when they're available. Um, last summer, again, I was a bit more flexible because I had a longer trip, um, but that was quite difficult. And when my husband came over, we ended up struggling to find some places to stay a few times yeah. and had to kind of organise my trip around where, you know, have to do some detours to find somewhere where I could actually find accommodation. Yeah, right. Um, but in terms of the photography in all of that, I um, I do have spreadsheets, which I put okay. in where I'm, you know, where I'm staying, where I'm going to. And then I put in the sun, sunrise and sunset times. Okay. Um, so I do have a kind of a plan and then, and then some of them I write detailed plans about where I'm going to go, especially if I'm on, if I'm on the move from one place and staying in a different place, you know, a couple of hundred kilometers away for yeah. the next night, I might do a, like a plan on my phone and say, right, sun, sunrise here this time, leave, you know, this time drive to here, stay this long. And I, and I, and I do sometimes give myself these kind of strict plans like that, <laughs> but um, most of the time it's, you know, see what the weather's like the next day to, to yeah. determine if I'm going to set my alarm for sunrise. Um, and then and I, and I do spend quite a bit of time sometimes thinking, you oh, know, where am I going to go? And I'm kind of a bit overwhelmed because there's lots of places I like. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, there's this one particular little cottage I stay in and there's, 
there's two really nice um, mountain ranges kind of on either side. And then there's this nice canyon in the middle and then there's a nice bit of coastline. And it's like, oh, where do I go? And I, I kind of panic a little bit and okay. because it's, it's, it's sometimes a bit overwhelming. Um, it's a bit like if you get somewhere nice at sun, sunset and you're like, oh, got to get the, you know, got to get the right shots. And sometimes yeah. you're kind of worried you're going to miss it um and there's just kind of too much so you have to just sort of calm down calm yourself down and say you know you just take what you take okay so what about in the field so you you've made your decision you've you, you've driven checked, somewhere driven somewhere or you've you've checked your spreadsheet and you, you know what time <laughs> etc so what, what what are you doing when you when you get into the field are you have you got a an idea of or a concept of the composition in mind before you get there or is it more free-flowing when you when you actually get on site well i guess there are certain, certain places i've been to quite a few times and i do tend to do take some similar kind of photos like that so so there's this one place called stock's nest on the mountains called vesterhorn and it's very well photographed by many people and it's this big mountain peaks with which um on one side there's these amazing sand dunes and then the other side there's a beach which is really flat and the, and the black sand gets yep. very reflective so you can get perfect reflections in it and then there's a little pond i know that's really nice and pretty that, that's nearby so i kind of usually when i go to this place i I park up in a certain place and then I do a little wander and take some pictures on the beach at the rocks, take some yep. pictures on the sand reflected and then go to the dunes, look for some nice ripples, take some pictures of the pond. And I kind of generally take the similar kind of photos there. Um, if the weather's different than, you know, if it's snow, I went there a few years ago and it was amazing snow showers coming through and there was some really cool, like, sculpted dunes which had got snow that was sculpted with bits of black sand on top and it was yeah, you know, yeah. so that was so that was like oh my god there's all these new new um compositions and possibilities so you know got these weird curves and with the mountains and the different so distance so sometimes it's you know it's like see what you get but usually in places like that i try and kind of, i do probably take the same kind of shots compositionally i mean i'll be running around basically looking for some decent ripples in the sand on these sand yeah. dunes that haven't got footprints on uh -huh. and if i'm there at sunrise hope they've got some frost on them um yeah. so there, there are certain places like that where i'll i will take similar kinds of shots um but it, yeah it depends it, and, and with the, the beach with the icebergs it depends on the conditions if if the icebergs are on the beach and the sun shining you can get some nice reflections and you can you can get close up to the ice sometimes there's only a few out in the distance and i try think oh this looks like a good good time to do some waves crashing onto the you know um crashing onto the iceberg shots yeah. sometimes there's lots where i think oh that'll make some nice trails um so a lot of it depends on the conditions and then other times i just stop at the side of the road because i see something that looks cool yeah. um and, and you know i might have my 24 to 70 lens on and use that or i might quickly get the other one on and zoom in at something and so a lot of, a lot of it is kind of side of the road shots as well um yeah, yeah. And, and often with those really cool storms like i was driving back a couple of weeks ago and there was an amazing storm which i suddenly saw the saw in my rear view mirror and i was like got to find somewhere to stop so i can take pictures of this and then <laughs> there was a car park to go and visit this um crashed plane so i pulled in there took a few pictures you know got in the car and carried on um, yeah. 
it's like you have to sometimes just pull over but there's there's not that many places you can always pull over so i do miss shots like that sometimes which is yeah, yeah, nothing more frustrating than seeing something that you want to shoot but not finding somewhere to stop <laughs> yeah and i've i've had a couple i had a couple of experiences on my winter trip one in particular that really annoys me that i didn't stop where driving across this snowy pass and it was a beautiful day and there was this there's this little hut at the top of this pass and it was completely covered in ice and mm. sn- like snow and ice and it was looked amazing but I didn't want to stop because there wasn't anywhere to stop even though there was no one else on the road and I could easily have done so safely yeah, I yeah. didn't and I like you could see like it's four, 16 months later I'm still really annoyed <laughs> with myself about it yeah. I have to go back there in winter again to but you know there are, there are things like that that you, sometimes you you miss and you you kick yourself and you think about for these years afterwards. Yeah. Okay. Generally, I do try and you know try and stop if I can if I see something. That, yeah. So it's it's a kind of mix of some some old shots that I've taken before that I like to take similar methods. Um, sometimes it's just yeah. I mean. On the big trips I did, I went. I went to visit quite a few new places as well. So a lot of that was just sure. right. Well, let's see what there is here. Um, you know, I might have had an idea from pictures of of some of the things, the geological features. But I discovered a few new beaches that I hadn't been to um, in the last couple of years, and that's just great for exploring to see what there is. Um, which not not things that like one of one of the one of my pictures that did the best on Twitter was just a picture of this kind of almost hexagonal rock on the beach with these tiny little rocks in the cracks around it. And it's a really, it's an amazing sight. Um, And I really like it, but I didn't, and and then people loved it. And I was like, that's really surprising because to me, it's just like a a funny little geological thing that I really like. But it turns out that people found that pleasing too. I'm always surprised at the number of shots that I go, oh, that, that looks like B-roll. Yeah, I'll put it up anyway. <laughs> and, yeah, and it's like, oh, yeah, everyone loves it. Oh, I okay. know. There's, there's so much in Iceland that also changes as well. If Because a lot of the time I go to the I go to beaches and the tides yeah. change change everything and the, and the beaches can change from year to year. So I went back to that same spot because I remembered exactly where it was. I went to yep. try and find this hexagonal piece to take another picture of just because I enjoyed photographing it before and I couldn't find it. And there were, I think in the, in the six months between visits, yeah. um, you know, the, there was some more rocks had been brought in and covered it up. So it was gone. And it was like, well, that's actually really cool because yeah, it was just there for a yeah. short time. I saw it when the tide was low. Now, it's not visible and there's other similar ones that i enjoyed but there's there's so many things in iceland that i think i'll always find things like that to just marvel at that i haven't even seen before yeah very cool Um, and then you know like last year there was a volcano erupting so that was a that was an added benefit an added bonus um (laughs) you know and if that happens again i'll i'll be on a plane i'll be on a plane again (laughs) why not why not so in in terms of uh you know you've got your shot and you you've got it home or got it to where you can can uh process it are you thinking about the processing before you get to that point or are you so yeah as you as you're shooting you're thinking about how you're going to process that and i guess does the processing influence the shooting or does the shooting influence the processing to be honest, I don't do a huge amount of processing. Like I don't ever 
I don't ever swap out skies or anything. I don't. Yeah. I don't no. do composites. I just, I just shoot, and then I'll, I'll my 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 editing will be to try and make it look, you know, a better version of it. <laughs> <laughs> the best Maybe. version. The best version of it that, and and hopefully representing what I saw with my eyes as well, which have, you know, better dynamic range. And, but um, sometimes I'll take pictures and and have in mind, well, this would, this would make a good, you know, black and white conversion, for example, especially if it's like really bright blue skies and harsh sun and harsh shadows. Um, Or if it's, if it's gloomy and grim, like there's a waterfall picture I took where it was a really horrid day and the waterfall was going upwards because it was so windy. Mm-hmm. And it was, but it, it was just, it was really, really miserable. And the, and the um, grasses are a kind of nasty brown because it was the end of the winter, early summer. And it was, it just all looked a bit nasty, but I, I knew that it would work in black and white. Yeah, um, yeah. And it was also still quite an amazing sight watching this, these waterfalls going upwards. Um, so I probably didn't think at the time, oh yes, I'll process this with black and white. But as soon as I opened the file, I was like, yeah, this 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 needs to be converted to black and white. Yeah, yeah. Get, get rid of the 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 nasty grasses so you can't really see that color in obviously in the black and white. Put a nice big vignette to make it look a bit a bit more atmospheric. Um, so I do do that with with some images, but I think mostly when I'm taking them, I. I, my my editing that I have in mind is just a, a minimal to to try and kind of keep it oh. as as accurate as possible. I try, I mean, my iceberg shots, the blues will be deeper in my in my photos that I've edited than they were to start with. I'm sure because I'm you know increasing the contrast a bit. I don't pump up the the saturation, um, and so often I have to reduce it if I've you know put the contrast up a bit or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah. But I try and keep it. I try and keep it fairly. Um, natural although I do occasionally do completely wild edits like I've got a picture of a horse that was a brown and brown horse with blonde mane and Mm -hmm. white stripe and it was it was windswept so the mane's kind of windswept over its ear and um, I got a picture of it from the side and I and I looked at it and I thought yeah this is this will work with black and white so I did the most ridiculous kind of harsh black and white conversion yeah. and it's just it's just basically a black and white horse with it's just the kind of light bits on the mane and the and the stripe on the nose and then you can see a little bit of hair like backlit by the oh. sun under the chin and it's and it's really really cool um but it, you know the, the initial photo didn't look anything like that so I, yeah. I do sometimes have a play around um especially I guess with things like horses as well where you can be a bit more I don't know maybe a bit more artistic I don't, I don't as I say I don't do a huge amount of processing um obviously things like northern lights photos you kind of have to because um yeah. you need these probably need to do quite a bit of work to make them um halfway decent for someone to look at yeah um, no, I know what you mean <laughs> do you get do you get to see the Aurora Australis down the river, or a bit? Um, not in Sydney, but uh, there's been a couple of recent sightings as yeah, far north been... as Golden, which is sort of halfway between Sydney and Canberra, which is way north mm. of where you'd normally see it. Tasmania is really the yeah uh, the, the the only place where you're going to see it regularly, um, yeah. and I'm quite jealous of you know. <laughs> Some of the guys down there, uh, you know, um, there's there's a there's a lot of 
uh, aurora sightings down there. But uh, I think same the as New like Northern Scotland here. It's like yeah, I think the, the New Zealanders weeks, have got it all over us though, because they're they're just that little bit further south and <laughs> yeah, down the bottom yeah. end of the uh, the South Island and yeah. But um, yeah, that's that's relatively close. I guess that's that's kind of like our Iceland. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not not yeah. too far to, to to get to and uh, not not too expensive. Uh, yeah, exactly. What's the most notable experience you've had out shooting? Most notable. Well, the things that I remember instantly are the times when I've fallen over, mm. which is which is <laughs> which happens which happens pretty much once on every trip. Okay. Uh, I, I haven't touched wood. I haven't. I haven't hurt myself badly on any trip, but I have hurt myself a few times. Um, and I and because I'm travelling on my own, it it's it's something I have to be. You know, it, it's usually a good wake up call to remind me to be to be more careful. Yeah, um, yeah. On my recent trip, I I just was taking pictures of this nice big mountain thing in a in this in a little um, kind of inland lake, and. I've I've been to this place loads of times before, and I've actually had a similar experience, but not quite as bad. But I've kind of I've got these rubber welly boots on, so I've kind of weighed out a little bit. I thought it was you know about two inches deep. There were some grasses underneath, and then I went a little bit further, and suddenly my foot just my my left foot just sank into a piece of ice, like up to just a couple of inches above my knee. And I was set over the over the top of my boots, and then I was kind of stuck. And I had and I had everything on me. I had like I had my camera backpack, my camera out, my tripod in my hand, my drone bag over my shoulder, my yeah. my mobile phone in my like <laughs> pocket on my leg. So and I had to like try and get out without getting myself wet, knowing that the water was a lot deeper than I thought. Yeah. And I managed to I managed to get out, and then I fell and and whacked my other knee on a, on the ice. Ouch. Um, and this was about three weeks ago, and it's only just finally healed enough that I can actually kneel down on it. Um, and then, and then I got out, and I was like, "Okay, that was really annoying, but not the end of the world. I haven't broken anything." So then I got the drone out, and and then I plugged in the phone, and it's like, "Your phone connection's wet. You can't use it." And I'm like, "Oh no, I messed up my phone." Anyway, the phone was it just needed to dry out overnight, and it was fine. So none of my equipment was damaged, but I've had a couple of others where I've slipped over um, one on a, a um, slimy rock. And I, again, cracked my knee and my thumb and thought I'd actually give, broken my nose because my camera hit my nose. And Ouch. <laughs> it turns out that I hadn't fortunately done anything to my nose, but I had damaged my thumb quite badly. So I couldn't use my thumb for, for opening the car boot, for example, and for a couple of months. Um but again, I was okay. Another time I slipped on ice and landed and broke a couple of ribs. So that those, I now have um, these crampons that I strap onto my boots for, mm -hmm. for those yep. situations, but they wouldn't have helped me on the falling through the ice bit. That was, I mean, that was just careless. Um, I mean, those, those are kind of memorable, like note to self, don't do silly things, be careful. Um, yeah, safety is paramount. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I've had, a, I mean, I've had some other kind of just memorable photography experiences, like some of the Northern lights that I've seen, like, yeah. the, like the first time I saw the, there's, there's a, a phenomenon called Corona where they're basically coming down at you like yep. straight down and it looks like they're going to fall out of the sky in your head. And the first time I saw that was, um, or maybe the second time, but it was, 
it was um, at Jokulsalen, which is a you know great place to see the Northern Lights because you can hopefully get pictures of them reflected in the in the water with icebergs. So it's a it's a pretty cool place. But there was a bunch of um, I think there were Japanese girls, maybe about twelve of them. And we were sitting on this ridge overlooking the moraine, overlooking the lagoon, and these lights started kind of above us. And they were just screaming and like giggling. And it was just, it was such a sweet but bizarre experience. It's like kind of, there was no other noise. And then suddenly they were just like literally screaming like little children with joy. It was, it was quite, I mean, it was a very, very surreal experience. uh, I guess some some of the experiences I've had, like with the, the, the volcano, were really were really amazing. Um, just watching watching a, you know a volcano erupt in front of you and and capturing that was just just unforgettable. Um, and and I was playing around with a bit of long exposure as well to try and get a few different shots. And uh, but again, it was it was yeah, that was a really special experience. And yeah, not something that you forget very very quickly. Getting the drone up over the lava, that's certainly an experience you don't forget because your heart rate goes up for that double. I can imagine the heat coming up uh, on, a, on a plastic drone. Yeah. And then there's someone next to you talking about how theirs has been heat damaged and someone on the other side saying, oh, they lost theirs yesterday. And yeah. <laughs> and I managed to get my drone up a couple of times and, and back. I can imagine seat. in a few thousand years there'll be these... Uh, um, <laughs> drone remains found in these lava fields and people going how did that get there well there's actually there's actually um there's a basalt um basalt column canyon that's in the east of the country that i first went to a couple of years ago which is absolutely amazing and um i went back there in the summer with my drone and i was hoping that wasn't going to be anyone else around because i don't really like using it if there's other people because it's a bit annoying um Fortunately, there was just like one couple left by the time I got to this place and they were off, were leaving. So I got my drone up for like five minutes until the next lot came. And there's this great view you can get with the, the columns on either side and this green water below. It's really cool. Yeah. Um, but on the other side of the canyon with a little uh, DJI Mini, which has basically looked as if it had been splatted on the side of one of these columns. I was like, that's a warning sign again, not to, not to, you know, to be very careful with your drone. Be careful where you fly your drone. It was really weird that it just looked as if it just kind of stuck to the side of it. It hadn't fallen off. Like a bug on a windshield. Yeah, exactly. It was like a bug splattered against the, against the rock. Well. Yeah, I think the, the geology is definitely, don't know if I've banged on about that enough. The geology is definitely something in Iceland that's really special. Um, Yeah. There's. I think it, I think one of the things about that is that even in really bad weather, there's usually something that you can photograph because there's always something to see. Um, the geology is so it's just I mean the vol- volcanism is just amazing and these basalt columns everywhere and it's, it's just interesting things. Yeah, no, I love love that sort of landscape. Yeah. Speaking of uh, hitting walls, have you ever hit a creative one? Um, I definitely have days when I don't really feel very motivated and, and, and maybe on my longer trips I needed to, to kind of allow myself to have days off as well um and and fortunately in Iceland the weather <laughs> the weather usually allows you that anyway so yeah, yeah. so you know you can have a day when it's really horrible weather and it's actually just kind of nice to not have to feel that you have to do something um I think I think when I go to Iceland I've, I've always got some kind of motivation and inspiration i it might it sometimes takes me a couple of days to get into it when i'm back there 
to kind of really, and, and that's usually fine because I'm usually driving to somewhere where I know that I'll be fine when I get there. But yeah, sometimes in the first couple of days, I feel like, mm, not really, not really into this yet. I haven't got my yeah. fojo. <laughs> but um, but I, in terms of, I mean, I, I was, I mean, sometimes I, I find I've I've had a trip to Iceland where I have you know, people said, oh, do, you know, was it good? Did you get a good shot? So I was like, yeah, it wasn't wasn't the best. And then I've had a couple, like the one in February 2020, which was probably my best trip, where it was just the weather was just was so stormy. It was just, and it, the, they were just, it was just fantastic. Mm. And there was, I just got some amazing shots. Whereas others, where you, you just kind of think, eh, that was a bit, you know, I've, I might have taken 500 photos, but I don't actually like any of them or do yeah. anything with any of them. Um, so I definitely have ups and downs. Like <laughs> huh? Yeah, yeah. All had shots like that, yeah. Yeah, and and I, de- I and 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 sometimes the weather is just really meh, and and mm. you know if you can't see the mountains and and it's drizzly and it's it's I, and because I've been like loads of times now, I don't feel like I have to go out and take photos and force myself. Oh, sure. I guess if I was doing a workshop, I would probably have to drag drag my group out. But when you're on your own, you've been loads of times, you don't really have that, so you can allow yourself. Um. To, yeah to do to do nothing yeah. i mean in terms of creativity i don't as i said i don't i haven't been inspired by london apart from my local park mm. uh, for for years now and maybe that's just because i associate like the, the, the center of london with my jobs and it's like i just that's my that's where i work and <laughs> uh, but i have been you know, definitely more inspired recently by my local first local park because it is lovely and especially in winter and autumn with fog and bit of frost and and the deer rutting um but i don't generally i mean although i used to take my camera out and every day you know 10 years ago now i barely take my camera out when i'm at home in london it's kind of it's almost like it's used for iceland and and holidays or trips yeah sure um, otherwise um which which is kind of a, a shame but i as i say maybe i need to push myself a bit more and make give myself a little a little challenge to do some photography in the city do you ever go back into the archives and uh and and look at some of those you know the the shoots where you go okay i've taken 500 photos don't really like them do you ever go back into them and go oh i do i do and actually that's i do and that's actually a really good piece of advice i would say to people is always look at your archives because you never know what you'll feel about something you know you don't always feel the same about a bunch of photos at the time as you might do even a week later or or a year later or five years later yeah. now because i because i had a year off of not working I, I did quite a lot of that and looking through the archives and 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 often if i've had a really good day when i've taken like 500 photos and i've picked out like five that i absolutely love the chances are there's going to be a whole load more yeah, um, yeah. And I and on this trip in February 2020, uh, there was this one morning with this incredible storm, and the light was just spectacular, and the waves were spectac- spectacular. Um, and I ended up looking through those photos a few months ago, and I had like loads and loads and loads of them. So it's like I've actually got loads more photos that you know I love that I haven't done anything with. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I quite liked post like I've just posted a photo that I took nine years ago, which is one of my favourite iceberg ones 
um, I like I quite like the Facebook memory thing where you you get oh, you know this is your memory from nine years ago and this mm. is your memory from two years ago and I and I do sometimes if I remember that I've been somewhere I'll have a look and see oh look I took on you know five years ago today and I think those are quite nice to to just kind of remind you to have a look at them but Definitely. but I also, also think if you've improved you know I've probably improved with my with my editing techniques. Um, you know, it's it's often worth re-editing photos that you absolutely, yeah. Especially if you took them like ten years ago, because the software is much better, and the and your my eye is probably better of what I like. Yeah, um, and and no doubt you've learnt more about yeah. processing, and you know the you you've got probably got a very different style to what you had ten years ago as well. And I think that's yeah, and as you said, a really important piece of advice to people is get into your archives and have a look at what you did, you know, five yeah. years ago and, and redo it. You know? And actually another, another piece of advice and also looking at archives is just to see how much you've improved. It's quite good to, Absolutely. You know, yeah. quite good to motiv motivationally just, and, and also just when you're learning to look at your photos with a really critical eye. I think that's when I first started really learning was when I actually looked at my photos and said, why aren't I happy with them? What am I not doing right? Why are those ones where I travel around the world with my point and shoot? What what was wrong with them? Ah, they weren't sharp enough. And like, well, why not? And how do I improve that? Well, it gives and you I, the areas where you can improve as well. You know, the things to focus yeah. on changing. Yeah. I think I think people aren't necessarily critical enough of their own photos, especially when they. I think it's very important to be very critical. Although now. Having said that, I'm quite happy to post photos that I don't think are absolutely amazing because it's it's kind of part, I like I like posting lots of photos. It's I, I don't expect every one of them to be fantastic, um, but then the technically they're okay. They're just the light might be a bit boring and it might not be the most amazing thing. But yeah, you know what I mean. I when you're learning, you, you need to make sure that you 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 understand what what technique you need to improve on, and and the sharpness thing is is definitely you know a crucial one. Absolutely. <laughs> Unless you're doing handheld and long exposures. And yeah, well, it, it, ICM, as you said, you know, intentional ca camera movement is, is, is slightly blurred because you're out that you've got, it? slow is not the same thing, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, very true. <laughs> uh, um, I guess speaking of advice, what advice would you give ten-year-old Sophie? <laughs> God, don't become an accountant. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's an interesting one actually because. If I was a kid now with all the technology that we've got now and the potential for what technology could do, I mean, photography is an amazingly rewarding thing to do. Um, I hope that there is a proper model of making a proper financially viable career for people because it is a, it is a fantastic thing to do. And, you know, we'll always have stuff online that people want to see. People always yeah. want to see pictures and videos. Um, maybe it will be more videos. Um but I don't know. I kind of sometimes think, oh, I regret doing what I did of doing my accounting because it's not really my passion. But then in some ways, I, the reason I still do it is because I enjoy it enough and it pays well and I can then enjoy doing this sure. and not having to worry about, you know, if I want to buy a, if I want to buy a mirrorless camera, I can, you know, I can afford to because I've got this other job. So I don't know, maybe try try and find a balance and i think i've found that balance reasonably well now by having this kind of hybrid career um you know good on people who do the photography full-time because it's 
bloody hard work to actually you know yeah. make a living out of it yeah. but you know I, I think it's I think my life's definitely been happier since I've had this as a as a sort of side sidekick right. passion definitely having a passion and something that you love doing creatively or whatever is is really important absolutely and photography has definitely made me happier person I might have made me a bit more antisocial as well um but yeah I probably I probably wouldn't do that much different actually if I if I started okay. again yeah, cool what do you like to do when you're not uh taking photos or <laughs> not editing or not tripping off to Iceland <laughs> I I I can't remember the last time I had a night where I didn't like edit photos and post photos <laughs> on Twitter. Like literally, I can't remember the last time. I because of the last couple of years also haven't because of COVID haven't been socialising. I've kind of forgotten what my life was like before. Like I used to, you know, have an office job and we'd go out maybe once every couple of weeks. I'd go out at night with people from work. Um, yep. You know, get my husband and I would go away for weekends drinking beer like craft beer and go to yeah, like, yeah. Belgium and places and and watching TV you know watch TV and watch movies but but basically my my whole you know I log off my work computer and I go on to my other you know I've, I've got to use my old Mac because my Citrix doesn't work on the new one which is really yeah. irritating um so I've just got a new Mac and I'll do go move over, move over to the sofa on that or and do some more do some photo editing and chat with people who are strangers on on twitter and it's who have become friends but it's a kind of strange little life um but yeah i don't really i mean i don't go out as much as i used to that's for sure i don't think anybody does do they well no no and i'm a bit paranoid about covid because i've managed to avoid it so far and um but yeah i've i I probably don't really have any other hobbies i like doing jigsaws actually which i haven't done for ages and um in the first bit of lockdown, I I actually made some of my Iceland photos into into thousand piece jigsaws. Okay. And and I took a couple of days off work, like once every couple of weeks, just to do a jigsaw. And and one of them I did was like of Northern Lights, and it was the most ridiculous thing. It was it was it came out too dark, and it was absolutely impossible. Another one I did was of a close up of a like abstract shot of an of iceberg with a kind of fairly repeated pattern, and that was absolutely impossible. But I love doing them, and it, they're, they're so, the best kind of jigsaws, aren't they? The, well, absolutely, exactly. I, I made them. I chose pictures that I knew. I started off with some more easy ones with like a mountain and some sky and a glacier, so that was quite an easy one. And then I moved on to these hard ones. It was like, right, I'm going to challenge myself, but my God, they were hard. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I like doing. I like doing jigsaws, but I haven't done done one for ages. Fair enough. Are there any photographers out there that uh, you think I should be talking to on the podcast? Um, I give give Mark Littlejohn a, a shout. So so he's the guy I mentioned earlier. He was in the lakes in South Scotland. I actually did a a workshop with him. The, the only workshop I've been on um, in uh, November last year in mm-hmm. in the northwest of Scotland, um, and I went on it partly because. I love that area and I hadn't been for years and partly because I, I really like him as a person and as a photographer. And I thought, well, if I'm going to do a workshop, I should do it with him. Um, but he's, he's, he's a bit different in terms of his style. Like he's not, you know, he's, he doesn't use a tripod. Um, you know, he's, he doesn't do, he, but he's, he's kind of obsessed with finding the right light and the right oh. composition. And, and he's, he's a great guy. He's a great character. So. Okay. Cool. Thank you for that. There's quite a few other, um, British photographers that I follow I guess it's quite a kind of tight-knit community um, and, and it turns out when I went on this 
thing that some of the other couple of the other people that have been on other um workshops with a bunch of other photographers and there's a there's a few of them that that are, that run that are quite famous and run workshops and and everybody knows everybody so it's, it's yeah. quite a funny little world yeah it's a bit like that over here particularly in sydney yeah. uh, even up and down the the, the the coast and around australia yeah there's uh, quite 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 the community which is you yeah. know to be honest as you said it's a it's a very nice thing well actually i actually just did a um a presentation to the blue mountain camera okay yeah blue mountain photography group yeah which while, while i was in iceland which was quite funny so i did that one at like eight o'clock in the morning iceland time on a miserable day fortunately and it was you know evening their time i was i was really nervous it was going to be one of those gorgeous sunrises and i was and i was sitting inside doing a talk but it turns out it was fine but yeah so it was really it was i i learned there's there's all all these photo clubs everywhere so i've never been in a photography club and i realized there's a it's a massive network of them all over the world absolutely so, yeah yeah i've i've done a few uh presentations to uh to, to a couple of camera clubs here in in sydney as well and uh and actually did um did one about a year or so ago in uh during covid which was interesting doing it doing it online instead of the, in, in person yeah well i've only done them online yeah. so i haven't done anything in person yet but um yeah no i, th I think they're uh, i mean I've, I've personally never been a member of one either but uh i i, I think it's a great thing for people learning uh, photography to to get involved in a, a club and uh, you know get to know people and yeah, yeah, it gives people, yeah and it gives you an impetus like to do like uh, one of the ones i did was um a local one and they they have got quite a lot of competitions and it just means that they're, they're out there doing you know taking photos just because they've got this kind of you know a little impetus to make them do so yeah yeah so what, what are the what are the main things that you like to take photos of then what's your favorite subject then uh um, yeah mostly seascapes so um you know water movement waves uh yeah. you know you got to find some nice rocks to you know get the the water swirling around and so forth yeah. um those and waterfalls um yeah. but i also do uh, a bit of architecture and cityscape stuff so um almost always landscapes almost never people um which yeah. you know to to my wife's uh you know <laughs> never-ending complaint she's uh Always really, saying, most people don't want photos taken of themselves. <laughs> well, this is it, you know. And whenever I do take a photo, I, go, oh, I look terrible in that. I don't, <laughs> don't want you showing anyone that. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> yeah, I think there's something really special about wave photography, and just the 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 um, it just allows you so much creativity as well. Absolutely, and it's always different. Um, it's, exactly, it's never ending and never and never the same. It's just yeah. I, I can go to the, the the same beach, you know, you know, seven or eight times in a in a couple of months, and each time I go, I'm finding something new and something yeah. different. Um, even if it's just the fact that the the sand has shifted and exposed rocks or covered rocks over. Yeah, or yeah. Whatever, you know. yeah um, like I was saying with the one the geological thing I found, exactly, it was. Yeah. But I, was, I, I um the the beach with the icebergs on it was there was this really weird like little um kind of wave breaking parallel to the beach this year because of where the sand was had shifted to which i've never seen before and i've been there you know a dozen or more more years and 
but it was it suddenly just get this kind of almost like a rip of, of it swooshing past parallel to the beach instead of crashing towards you wow. I was like oh my god i've never seen that before it's it's completely changed and it was i think it was where two waves met yeah yeah kind of reaction but it was just fascinating how how much yeah. how different they can just, be just the patterns that the, the, the water can make as well you know yeah. I'm, I'm usually looking for something that's going to you know show off that water movement um yeah and do those longish exposures the other thing i've gotten into recently is um uh shooting very long exposures at um uh, nautical twilight first thing before so we're, we're talking about an hour to uh, you know hour before and before twilight starts yeah, but but yeah. also, you know, you you're getting the faintest glow, and if you're lucky with some high cloud, a little bit of red, you know, but you're just getting yeah. the faintest glow in the on the horizon. And uh, I was actually up at uh, Catherine Hill Bay, which is um, about a, an hour and a half north of Sydney, um, and there's this old rusty pier that goes out into the, oh, yeah. into the bay, um, and it's yeah, it's this year's it's an old coal loading pier and um you know i could barely see that barely see the rocks in front of me uh but you know you've, you're sitting there with the shutter open for um you know seven or eight minutes um okay collecting lots of light and you can get something that kind of looks like daylight there was, I, I was mm. lucky there was some low cloud which was moving quite nicely in over seven or eight minutes that you know that just went into these huge long streaks across the, yeah, nice. the water of course is really smooth and misty and yeah so yeah it's just a, a different sort of style to you know that more you know uh faster pace sort of yeah you know, seascape of uh you know wave movement and whatever it's just smoothing everything out and making a, a different style of image but uh, yeah. you only get um, it, it's it's challenging as well because you really only got maybe um, you can probably get two images, you know, two exposures done before the light has come up and you're down to and you're down to two uh, minutes and two minutes one and minute, minute and, you know, one yeah. minute and then you into you know you're then having to you know load up ND filters and whatever to yeah 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 uh, yeah I haven't I've uh, I had one experience actually that you just reminded me of when my my November December trip to to Iceland in 2020, where the clouds were really really cool. It was it was before sunrise and there wasn't the sun. There was a lot of cloud at the horizon, so there wasn't actually a sunrise, massively to speak of. But there were really cool clouds and they were moving quite fast. So I did quite a few long exposures and I've got some great like strips. And some of those are turned to black and white to make them they look a bit more dramatic. But yeah, it's, it's that that time of day is kind of quite cool when you. But yeah, as you say, you you haven't got much time. No, it, and, it's, and if you mess up the bulb time, you've done it. You know, it's, yeah, you got to turn up very early and be patient during the the exposure because there's not much to do while you. And yeah, it's not like you can you know do a. Yes, you can take a, another camera and do. Well, yeah, you can take another camera, but um, you know, you, you you're not likely to get much out of your phone either, you know. So okay. at, at that hour, because there's not enough light for for that. So it's uh, yeah, it's just a different different style. Um, for me, it's, actually, it's a lot slower. Yeah, it's reminded me of um, another photographer that I really like on um, Instagram. It's called Helen Trust. Mm -hmm. Yep. He does. Um, yeah. 
she does really long exposures and squares and a lot of them are sort of seascapes and, and clouds and and they're yeah. yes she probably does a lot of that <laughs> like seven or eight minute long ones but they're, they're really um they're just really peaceful and pleasing yeah no they're uh they're, they're a lot of fun to play around with and, and the editing on them's interesting as mm. well you know um you've kind of got to be really careful about how you adjust your contrasts and and so forth because you know some of those um you know the the gradations between the tones and the colors mm -hmm. can, you know if you if you push your contrast too far you can get these horrible sort of banding and you know, yeah well just you know the, the 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 blue shadows will go purple and you know but you can also get some really cool in, and interesting colors because um uh and I, I was talking to um another photographer about this he, he does this a lot um, where you can get sort of a blue tone shifting to or shifting to yellow as the the, the sun is coming up, um, mm -hmm. and the the end result over a seven or eight minute exposure is a, a green. Um, oh wow! So you have green clouds, <laughs> which looks really interesting. <laughs> Strange. Yeah. You probably think your white balance was wrong, and <laughs> yeah, well, that, that, and that, that's what he was saying. He said at first he thought there was something wrong with the the sensor or the camera, and uh, so he he did a bit of research, and no, this is this is basically what happens. So, uh, it's just I've never really thought about that because I, I guess I haven't really done that many. I, I don't do that much long, really long exposure. If I do, it's usually you know a minute or two. Um, yeah. If well, you're doing that, like getting up early in the morning well, yeah. <laughs> if you're doing it when the light's changing like that it must be yeah because it can change well that, that's it yeah i was, I was out uh was it yesterday or the day, day before yesterday um and we we had a really nice sort of set of high cloud that went really red and uh i first got to i went to whale beach which is a, a beach on the northern suburbs of sydney and uh you know, it started out and there was just sort of this tinge of sort of magenta red, you know, started to glow a little bit and then it just sort of got, you know, brighter and brighter and redder and redder and more orange, mm -hmm. reds and yellows and whatever came on, you know, during that exposure. So, yeah, I haven't actually started processing that one, so it'll be interesting. Well, it sounds like an interesting one. Yeah, but um, it, it's just... The, the nice part about it is until you've actually sort of, you know, been able to finish the shot and then review it in, in the back of the camera or when you get it home, you don't really know exactly what you're going to get, you know. I mean, you know you're going to get streaked clouds if there's yeah. cloud movement and so forth. That's. You know. I think that's, that's part of the fun and why I like doing the iceberg, like wave trail shots and also and waves, wave shots, because you, you just don't know what you're going to get because even if, you you have no idea even if you just see a little version of it on this screen you can't really see see what you've captured and and often when if, if sometimes when i'm out taking pictures in in sunshine the colors and the sea i mean it's the sun's in front of me and i and it's difficult to see the colors yeah. but then when i when i get the photo on a big screen i can see the greens and the blues that are kind of backlit by the sun and it's like wow that's actually really amazing but you couldn't you, you can't see what you've done until you until you get home so it's quite it's a bit like I guess getting your film developed, but definitely, yeah, a bit, a bit cheaper and quicker than that. You've got a lot more control <laughs> yeah, over it. Yeah, much cheaper and much quicker. <laughs> yeah. 
All right, I've got one more question, and uh, okay. for the regular listeners to the podcast, they know what's coming. Um, and for them, I think it's probably the most important question I can ask. Do you like pineapple on pizza? Yeah, why not? <laughs> I I actually had um, there's there's actually a place in Iceland that's um, an, a nice little guest house I stay in near Geysir, which is the the geyser that erupts in the in the golden yep. cycle that everyone goes to see. But this is this nice cheap guest house nearby and next to it is a is a pizza place and a camping place and and they have all sorts of weird things so they have banana the last time i went there had banana and blue cheese i think okay wow Um, that was quite nice too no i i I don't mind pineapple on pizza i haven't haven't had the uh the fermented shark on uh no i've never tried that (laughs) someone was sitting next to us in a restaurant in the summer and had it and it was actually tiny little cubes yeah. eaten on cocktail sticks and it didn't i thought oh well if it's actually like that i might be able to do it but and you wash <laughs> it down with a little schnapps thing as well called renovin which is supposed to be, i think i've tried it it's pretty pretty vile yeah. but no i haven't tried that yet i've managed to like, avoid it a bit like cough medicine eh? <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> right. what about you the pineapple uh i'm i'm a neutral if it's there i'll i'll have yeah, it exactly. if it's, if, it's not something i'll order though but uh, no i wouldn't order it but i usually but i would but i wouldn't i wouldn't pick it off and i and i said i did order one that had banana on it and it was quite nice fair <laughs> enough cool <laughs> <laughs> well thank you ever so much it's been uh marvelous oh, thank you for uh, inviting me on learning more about you um where can people find your work so I have a website which is www.sophiecarphotography.com. That's a fairly easy one to remember. Yep. And then I'm I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook with it's either Sophie Car Photo or Sophie Car Photography. But if you type my name in, you should find me, especially if you put the word Iceland in, because most of my work is 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 Iceland. Um, I've got a few other um, galleries on my on my um, website of non-Icelandic work, um, including my recent Scotland trip. I've got a couple of really nice shots from that. Um, but yeah, so t- if if you want to interact with me, Twitter is probably the best place because that's where I'm I'm most active. Um, but I post the odd bits and pieces on on Facebook and Instagram too. Fantastic, thanks. Twitter, I'm on it all. Like as soon as I'm off work, I'm on Twitter. <laughs> Thanks again for listening to Landscape Photography World. I hope you enjoyed the show and keep listening because I'll be joined by some great guests in upcoming episodes. You can find my work in this podcast at grantswinburnphotography.com. I'm also on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube and Facebook. I'm Grant Swinburne. Hope to see you out shooting soon. Mm-hmm.